Talking about what's new with Los Angeles Clippers There's always so much to discuss Let's jump right in It's LA Clips Forum It's LA Clips Forum With Jesse and Brian Welcome to the LA Clips Forum My name's Brian Andrew Jesse is still on sabbatical So I have two wonderful guests The first one, coming back from last week The man, the salary cap genius Trent Maddox, how you doing? I'm doing well, Brian. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, back from a laryngitis bout earlier this week, but I do have a voice, so I'm ready to go. I, I got you right in time. Just and in time. Yesterday, same time? Not so good. Today? I'm so all right. I'm glad I scheduled it for today. And there's a lot of French activity going on in Clipperland, so we had to get the five-star general of the Batum Battalion to join us. Clipper Spencer, how you doing? Hello, thank you. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, just uh, hoping uh, to get some off-season news pretty soon. I've been refreshing my phone, so and just watching summer league, enjoying it. I, I feel like the Kevin Durant thing is really kind of killed this year's off-season momentum because usually the off-season is pretty nuts for at least a full week, and the Kevin Durant stuff just totally like, all right, we heard it. And now it's just rumors and what was going on ESPN talking about the same stuff every day. And exactly. I thought uh, Kawhi was bad when he ended up signing with us, putting the whole league on pause, but this is just, there's just nothing anymore. I feel, I feel like Deandre and I hope, I hope Deandre and knows that he has a lot of power in his hands right now and he could totally just, <laughs> Like, F things up if you wanted to. He, he could mess up everything by signing an offer sheet with anyone that's not Phoenix. And it would yeah. just bloom. You, congratulations. The clock is set for 48 hours. Get it done. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, Trent, would you know the answer to this? If, if he does sign an offer sheet and then the Suns match it, can the Suns trade him or do they have to wait six months? They could, in theory, work out a sign-and-trade with another team as long as Aiton is on board with it. So gotcha. basically, if if he got offered a, a, a sheet by Indiana, for example, mm-hmm. and then they the Suns are like, doggone it, we've got 48 hours to get this thing figured out, they can work out a signing-trade with any team that's not Indiana because you can't go from offer sheet to a signing trade gotcha but they could just cut indiana out of the process entirely as long as ayton is on board with the sign and trade to wherever he's going because that's how signing trades work but taking the sign and trade out of it because if they match the offer then he's back officially on the team can they trade him right away no so yeah but they want to be getting kevin durant right okay not until the trade deadline. <laughs> there we go. Well, January. Which I wouldn't be surprised at this point if the Nets are like, let's just go into the next season and we'll figure out something in February. Well, and maybe they could convince Durant and Irving, like, just play hard, play really well, up your trade value, and then we'll try, we'll try to do something in February. I don't know. I, I They'd probably get traded this month, but... 
we'll see. There's there's another factor to this that everybody seems to be missing. They're saying, well, the Nets can't tank because they don't control their picks. But they have this year's pick. It's just a pick swap with Houston. Houston's mm-hmm. going to be bad. So all the Nets have to do to keep their own pick is be better than Houston. Right. Um, so they could, in theory, go full tankathon this year and doesn't actually cost them anything. Now, year after, that pick is unprotected and goes to Houston no matter what. So that year, they have to be good or they're losing a lottery pick, but possibly even top five. So it's, it's a curious thing if they are going to go for it and just go, you know, give me as much young talent as I can get. The best time to do it is before the season. In theory, though, if they tank this year, they'll probably be bad next year, too. We got to think if they if they get rid of all those salaries, though, the, the books are clear. They can do all kinds of stuff. That's have true. A ton of ton of draft picks, draft capital. They can do they'll have options to rebuild that team and make it a probably a playoff level team. There's still going to be teams in the East that are going to be bad. It is what it is. Right. Detroit may never be good again. <laughs> yeah. do, you have any, uh, do you have any thoughts on all this, Spencer? Oh, I'm just so glad that the Clippers don't have to worry about it. I mean, I'm hoping Pop has an itchy chaos trigger finger and just offers Aiton because uh, to sow discord. But I just want it to, you know, not affect us. This is our year, baby. Uh, You know, let the East have another year of waiting for a superstar to play or trade or whatever happened last year with Ben Simmons. But, oh, I'm just so thankful because before when we had Doc Rivers, this would have been a Clippers thing. Like, of course, it would have blown up and then we would have been waiting for the the chaos to just ruin our our title hope so uh, the only thing now with uh, KD I want it to be over and I want it to not just go make a superpower in the west yeah that's kind of where I'm at too is keep Kevin Durant out of the west now do I trust that the Clippers can maybe still beat a Kevin Durant Phoenix team or Kevin Durant whatever team sure like it depends on who that team keeps, you know, like if Phoenix gets rid of all their depth and they have Kevin Durant, they're still going to be really good in a threat, especially in the seven game series. But I still would trust that our team would be deeper. And as long as everyone stays healthy, we'd be okay. Um, but if he stays in the East, that'd be ideal, you know, or hell Brooklyn run it back one more year. Because, yeah. like, Brooklyn, at the end of it, like, do, do they feel like if right now you can't get anything for Kyrie Irving, then you're still going to continue to not get anything for Kyrie Irving. So just let him walk at the end of the season. If you think you get a draft pick out of it, sure. But you could just let him walk after next season. And if he doesn't want to play, then he doesn't have to play. Just find him. There's also a legitimate chance that he rehabs his value by actually playing and playing really well between now and, you know, the trade deadline, at which point you could get some good return on a Kyrie Irving one-year rental. You know, it's a possibility. So Kyrie Irving was sitting awfully close to uh, Jerry West (laughs) and Steve Ballmer yesterday. 
there was just there was a you had a really good meme uh spencer but there's like some <laughs> random guy in the middle of the two <laughs> and he looked extremely uncomfortable I don't, I don't know who it was and uh do you, are you at all worried do you are you at all worried that jerry or steve kind of like pushed the guy in the middle's chest back and then started talking over that guy to Kyrie <laughs> Irving? oh i hope not i mean I think everyone's love of Jason Preston to bring it back a little to summer league kind of speaks of who we like and value on this team. And Kyrie just does not seem like the kind of guy that we're trying to bring into our locker room, especially after how successful the last two years have been with getting these like team first, high character guys, um, well, not saying that Kyrie Irving isn't high character. I don't know him, but just like no drama guys who are clocking in, clocking out and doing everything that the team needs. Right. I, I do think like based on his track record, Kyrie Irving's probably a really good human being. He just gets uh-huh. very confused on certain things <laughs> and it and it doesn't help a locker room when those things disrupt what's going on like for example if you want to be anti-vax for whatever reason it's it's not helping anybody in your inner circle but it's all but when you're choosing to also not play for your basketball team when you're making 30 30 something million dollars and it's leading to James Harden being frustrated and it's leading to Kevin Durant being frustrated it's an issue right and we wouldn't want those issues on our team um but I'm pretty sure if he came over, he would donate a lot of money to a lot of people in need over here, right? Yeah, um, for sure. I, for whatever reason, every day I wake up and I flip-flop on <laughs> where I'm at with Kyrie. Because <laughs> every day my brain is telling me, don't, no, don't do it. My heart is telling me, but... If it F's up the Lakers by us just having Kyrie on our team, that, there, that that might be worth it. There's a value to that, sure. Yes. And the Lakers are the team that's going to get lucky and have the one year where Kyrie, AD, and LeBron all play despite age or injury <laughs> history or whatever. So Absolutely. Uh, that always, like, that fear is always in the back of my mind, you know, but... Uh, we're not going to get that lucky if we get him. So it's just that, 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 something that, we can't do. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Is <laughs> there is there is a tiny curse, even though it's not as big as it was in the 2000s and the 90s and stuff like that. But there's still that tiny curse. And uh, I don't know if like Chris Paul rubbed the curse the wrong way or something like that, but it still lingers to this day. And yeah, you're right. If we got Kyrie, he he's he's taking a an extended All Star break. He's not he's he's not gonna play half the games because he has a sore knee. But it's not even that injured. He just wants to take some time off. And yeah, absolutely. If he goes to the Lakers, perfectly healthy, uh, gets a studio apartment right in front of the crib, so he never he never misses a game. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's it's yeah, absolutely. Um. Spencer, I never got your thoughts uh, on, I'm sure it's positive, but I've already gotten Trent's, I've already gotten Jake's, I've already got Jesse's, but we have 
a few players coming back to the Clippers. Uh, we have Amir Coffee, who mm-hmm. I I know you love the coffee puns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Nicholas Batum. Of course, the the reason I'm here. Uh, and yeah. we'll get more into it later, but we mm-hmm. have uh, John Wall joining the Clippers as well. Yeah. And we lost Isaiah Hartenstein. So I want your overall Rip. thoughts on all of that. That's basically the Clippers' first week or two of the offseason. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, la- thank goodness we got Nick Batum back. Thank goodness we got Coffee back. Thank goodness uh, we got John Wall who I on a buyout. I, I thought it was the most reasonable expectation for what our offseason was going to be. It wasn't really a surprise to anyone. The guy we couldn't afford didn't stay with us, and the guys we could did. So mm-hmm. it was um, just really great. Obviously, I thought, I felt really more worried last year about Nick Batum coming back. Was he going to be able to take that discount? Same with Reggie. You know, um, what were they going to? want to stick with us even though we might not have had all the money to pay them but uh the writing was on the wall pretty much uh before the the offseason even got going really about what was going to happen so i'm i'm just so excited to see it all finally come together and i mean i even think that um norm powell and roco are kind of like uh additions that we need to add to it they're like free free agents because we got them and then we just never saw them with the healthy team so yeah that's a good uh, point yeah i i think it was pretty expected but i'm very happy with it and i just think you know hopefully we can just keep our heads uh under the radar a little bit not be like the overwhelming title favorites and just um take care of business give no steps and you know, maybe this is our year. I, I do feel with this team as well is how do I want to put this? Like, I think real Clipper. I'm not, I don't like these word real Clipper fans, but I'm going to say like people who follow the team want a very boring off season. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. <laughs> that they they want it to be a very boring off season, and I do think with the Clippers getting eliminated back in April Clippers Twitter has gone extremely bored and now doesn't want the boring off season and started <laughs> like going like, Hey, we could trade this guy. We could get this guy. And I think they just want to be excited for something that's Clippers related, but mm-hmm. are not thinking of like what that's going to look like in November or December. And I think like, when the season's going on and everybody's playing again, we're going to love that we still have Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, and all these players back. I think, like, if we traded some of these people, we would be like, oh, man, I missed that person. Especially when we, I don't know if people get league pass or anything, or you're watching the ESPN highlight or something, or you see something on Instagram, and it's Marcus Morris making a clutch three for whatever his new <laughs> team is. I think we would all be very sad. Yeah. Um, so we, we lost Isaiah Hartenstein. So we need a backup center. <laughs> and we have gave a training camp invite to Moses Brown, 7-2 center from UCLA. Uh, Trent, what are your first thoughts on that? 
Uh, Brown is an intriguing prospect who really, <laughs> it's his size, to put it bluntly. This is a humongous man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Very, very much, you know, like, remember all those times with Bobon. He's kind of like an, a lesser skilled Bobon. He will rebound really well. He, he, his defense is literally to be in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, he will block shots. Uh, he doesn't move his feet spectacularly well, but he's also young and he's there's still there's still some sort of teams want him to develop. He went right. from Oklahoma City to uh, what was it, Boston to Cleveland. I mean, he's bounced around as a part of these bigger deals. He, like he's a throw in because these teams are like, there's something there. There may be something in Moses Brown that is exciting and cool and fun. But when you look at his extended numbers, he's really kind of a defense by position and he can rebound. So, hey, that in and of itself is always a good thing, being able to rebound. But uh, as far as what else he does, the list is fairly short. Right. For for a 7-2 player, I'm going to use this very lightly or very loosely, I should say. He's more athletic than what Boban would be, but mm-hmm. Boban, like I said, is more skilled. Like he, yes. like you could give Boban the ball in the key, and there's a decent chance he'll score because he'll shoot over somebody. He's got a nice touch, something like that, right? And he can hit free throws, right? Which Moses Brown uh, cannot. <laughs> yes, Moses Brown, I feel like cuts better uh, from what I've seen. Uh, that 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 might just be like me watching a highlight reel and just being like, well, see, these are his, these are his good moments and not seeing enough mm-hmm. of his bad moments, right? Um, he's had crazy games. Two yeah. years ago, he was playing for Oklahoma City and he put up like twenty eight and seventeen against the Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> it was a throwaway game. We weren't playing, you know, our our, our A squad, but this guy will have these random games where he just totally dominates and he's dominated because well, he's seven foot two. Right. And he is a big guy and he's, he is fleeter of foot than a Boban Marjanovic, but he's also not as stout as a Boban Marjanovic. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. Do, do you have any thoughts, Spencer? Yeah. Just, I mean, I think obviously the plan is to go small ball mostly this year. I think, that's now not a secret. The The first year we had Nico on the team, we kind of were pretending like we weren't going to go small ball. And uh, Tyloo even stopped it in that one jazz game because he was like, wait, wait, keep it for the playoffs. But this year, mm-hmm. I think we're really actually going to be kind of trying to have that be a signature of our team. But if uh, Moses Brown wants to come in when there's a team with a small backup center, and just use his size to his advantage. I would be perfectly happy with that. I don't know how much you upside he gives you as a starter. And obviously, uh, Nico is amazing, but he kind of needs to save it for the playoffs where he does step up his game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially his defense on centers where he become he could like lock up and bead in those games. But uh, he... But it's a temporary thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Nobody locks up a beat for long. Yeah, exactly. It's important to keep it to fresh. Mm-hmm. That, that's yes. a great point. So 
hopefully, hopefully this is a, this is just a minor thing that we're discussing in the dog days of the off season, but uh, I wouldn't mind him being just bigger than Kevon Looney and getting rebounds in those games where he just has to be tall and grab uh, boards and then throw it to the nearest point guard or whoever. But um, I just, I, I, I'm not mad at it. I just don't think he's ever going to replace what Hart did, which was actually bring this, um, you know, diamond in the rough return on uh, our backup center position. My, my thoughts so far, and like I said, these are like the dog days of the offseason. So we'll have a better understanding once training camp starts. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Trent. You can only invite 20 people to training camp, right? You can only ever have 20 people under contract during the summer. So yeah, okay. 20 people is the maximum. So we have the 14, mm-hmm. and then we have technically a spot open, but that means we leave. we have six spots available. We signed three undrafted rookies. Uh, Justin being to, to exhibit tens, right? So they're basically invited to training camp. Then That's Bean, Bean, Devoe, and Williams. Yes. And then we just invited Scrub, Moon, and Moses Brown. Yes. So technically, Moses Brown's still the only other center invited to training camp, unless you count the Moose, Moose the Abundant, <laughs> right? Right. So I would, as of right now, assume Moses Brown's going to make the squad unless we decide not to honor any of these other training camp invites and we bring in another person to training camp. Well, that's the thing about the Exhibit 10s. If these guys don't show out in summer league and impress, well, you just rescind the offer. Yeah. You'll have that available to give to somebody else. If you looked like Justin Bean only played what four minutes at the very end of the game last night, mm-hmm. DeVoe was not good. Uh, I don't even remember seeing Williamson. He, These he guys haven't, he was there at one like, point, jumped off the page. So it's unlikely that the three of them will, will actually make it to training camp. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they let all three of them go, to be yeah. honest. And, and that's just the way it is. I'm, I'm, into an interesting spot here. A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, you know, just a serviceable backup center. That's all we really need, right? Just a yeah. guy who's going to come in, play on the minimum. It's not going to be that big a deal. But now I'm thinking we are, whatever it is, $41 million over the luxury tax line, which <laughs> means we're paying like 150 or $200 million in luxury tax. So we've got a whole lot of money on the line. And we're rolling into this thing with Zoo and a question mark at backup five. I'm starting to be like, uh, maybe, maybe it is worth it to drop that TPE on a Daniel Tice or a Jakob Pertle if he's available to make sure that we have a, a, a real quality backup five. Because I would hate to go through a stretch where, you know, Zoo's got a twisted ankle. Our backup five is awful. We're playing a ton of small ball. Guys like Nico and Rocco are getting beat up playing back up five minutes. It could end up being an attrition situation where you lose two, three guys because Zoo twists the ankle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like I'm kind of like leaning toward I would rather have somebody that I could count on to be the bruiser. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Baines just worked out in Las Vegas. Um, a bunch of teams watched him. I, I, I would love that. Uh, I definitely can picture the scenario where everything goes wrong for us, but uh, I just, I hope that we can find somebody. I'm w- curious how deep Balmer can go into the luxury tax. Like, is that truly unlimited? Cause I mean, it kind of looks like it and his according, enthusiasm knows no way. According to the rules, he can do whatever he mm-hmm. wants. Right. <laughs> like I believe the Warriors are going to be paying half a billion dollars to fill the team either this year or next year. I think it's so, next year, but this yeah. even this year, they're behind us right now before the Looney signing. But they still have like seven roster spots that they have to fill. Yeah. So but, even at minimums, they're going to pass us in salary. Their their team will be more expensive than ours on open yeah. I mean, but they have they just won the championship and they have that right. dynasty going for them. Um, we were talking about this uh, for the Noel, mm-hmm. Nerlens Noel uh, earlier before he was traded to Detroit, and I was just curious. It's like, can a team that hasn't won anything but shows the promise? Will Bomber like truly just go, just keep paying and keep paying for this? Um, Because our luxury tax is more than the total spent on some teams. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just. uh, I I I don't know if it's if he can push it all the way, but I mean nobody loves the team more. You see him going crazy on the sidelines. Maybe uh, he just has to go to one more game, and that'll convince him. Yeah, I, I don't, agree. I don't know how many owners go to summer league, but Ballmer was there last yeah. night, and apparently he watched two games before the Clippers game. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, I'm sure there's some scouting going on because, like you said, like we have those three exhibit ten deals, and I do believe they'll get some some playing time at some point in the summer league. It's just a matter of personally, I want that summer league ring. I don't, I know, <laughs> I know it's meaningless, but like. I think it'd be really cool for our squad to go play the summer league, get a ring in the summer league. And then basically that same squad goes to Ontario and tries to get the G league championship while we go for the NBA championship. I think that would be an incredibly successful, basically 12 months. Um, It says a lot about the culture. And and if your culture starts at summer league and exists in the G league and exists on the biggest club, on the big club level, that's a, that's incredible stuff. When you have that kind of culture that bleeds all the way through the organization, that's something that free agents are going to look at and go, dude, I want to play there. It's funny because Isaiah Thomas is not a very good commentator, but he made a very <laughs> good point yesterday uh, during the summer league where he said the Clippers are all on the same page. Like everybody on the summer league roster is on the same page and nobody. And like, he's like, you don't see that in the summer league. Everyone's just trying to get their bag. Everyone's just trying to uh, go have a showcase, but the Clippers were playing Clippers basketball. And I do believe it's because they got even those role players to buy in and saying like, Hey, you buy, we'll get you a G league contract. If you buy in now, like, like Brantley and some of these other players that they had who played extremely well yesterday. The three point uh, sniper. Oh my goodness. Brantley. 
he went three for six from the <laughs> three-point line and made uh, i believe he's the one who made the the one at halftime the buzzer beater. Yeah. yeah so and then you had uh reggie perry playing really good on the block all and he was able to stretch the court a little bit himself like i'm pretty sure it's like hey you guys buy in now you guys would be playing for a g league team which you know gives you a, a lot of opportunities to sign somewhere else get a two-way somewhere else or if we need somebody to come in and play 10 days for us, we're going to look at you first before we look somewhere else. Now, going back to the center situation, if Zoo were to twist his ankle and we were, I don't think we would call somebody out, call somebody up from the AC or not the AC, the Ontario Clippers. Uh, but I, I think that's when like, if DeMarcus Cousins still available, sure we'll bring him, sure we'll bring him in for 10 days. But you're right. Like, is Moses Brown someone who we could trust to start a game? Maybe if we, because everybody around him is going to be really good and we just need him to do his job. Uh, but we'll see. Sure. <laughs> I, I don't want to see him play against like a quality center, though, because that could get ugly real fast. <laughs> Which, like you said, would lead to <laughs> Rocco and B- Batum yeah. and Morris <laughs> playing center minutes. And then it's just, it, it, they're just gonna get banged around and it's like do you want them to pick up these bruises and these sore uh chests and the shoulders in december knees. yeah, yeah like, knees, yeah. man it, yeah. it just tears on to have these 260 280 pound centers that can just lean on you Embiid and Jokic and Aiton Aiton's a little slighter than that but the, some of the, the super big guys that just yeah. lean on you in the post Valanchunas Nurkic and it just tears you down because you're just no match for them. Yeah. Strength wise. Uh, And then the difference between Marcus Morris on a healthy knee and a a bruised knee is night and day. It is night and day. And Spencer made a good point. Like Alex Baines worked out. I wouldn't mind being part of his story. Like if if, like, if that, if that's honestly like he's, I'm sure he's just trying to get back in the league. He'll sign for a minimum. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. He's probably the best center available on a minimum it's just like hopefully his body's in well, decent shape yeah it's it's hard to say that kind of damage it was a nerve damage a neck injury back back injury back yeah and neck. i believe it's yeah. bad spinal spinal contusion or something um that kind of thing there's not like a long track record of guys coming back from this and playing at a at a high level so he's he would be a real remarkable story especially in the tiny window because this is recent, yeah. Uh, yeah. But there, there are other you know long-term veteran guys out there, the Dwight Howards and Demarcus Cousins, who you mentioned, and, and a handful of guys here and there. But I think that maybe, maybe it behooves the team to just kind of take that next step and go. You know what? Even though it's costing us fortune in tax, it might be best to just go with somebody who's who could really carry the load if necessary. Can you count on a Demarcus Cousins to start? 15 straight games if there is a major injury? No. No. Uh, Dwight Howard? No. Mm. We watched him try and start for the Lakers last year, and he couldn't start two games in a row. Mm-hmm. He would start a game, and then he would have to have a game off. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe it is time to say, and you don't think of it as, oh, so we brought in Nerlens Noel, and he's going to cost us you know, his $9 million salary and then all this other tax money. Don't think of it like that. He's just $9 million. Think of it as we're pay, paying the extra tax on like Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it makes you feel better about it. <laughs> well, you know? if, you, if you could pay $50 million to keep 
all your power forwards and fours healthy too, that might be worth it as well, right? If, the, if you want to look at it from that perspective. Sure. Uh, like, yeah, getting Jacob from the Spurs, I think, in my opinion, is is, is very worth it. Uh, but we're probably not going to be able to keep him after this year. But if we're not thinking that far ahead, then why not give it a shot? Hey, and uh, all this could be a moot point if uh, Musa plays the way he did in the summer league game. So, uh, yep, he's he was athletic. He was uh, he was a pleasant surprise for being a guy we all thought was going to be a long term project. Who still is going to be a long term project, but looking more to, polished than I thought. We're gonna have to change your name to Segway Spencer because that was nice. <laughs> yeah, so oh, let's move yeah. on to the summer. Let's move on to the summer league. All right. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> might, as well, might as well just host the podcast yourself, man, because like you do a lot better than I do. Hey, this is your 50th episode. You know, it, it is our 50th. Episode. I'm trying hard. Oh, really? It's our 50th wow. episode. I I was gonna make a bigger deal about it, but Jesse's not yeah, here, so I Jesse's figured not, not available. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? We'll just we'll just we'll just ride. Now Damn. our one our one year anniversary is August 8th or something like that. I'm sure Jess will be back for that one. So excellent. That's that's where we'll celebrate. Uh, and we want to thank awesome. everybody who you know believed in the podcast and stuff like that. But summer league, uh, you know, where basketball is very good. Uh, <laughs> I want to note about the summer league real quick. <laughs> this league is designed to for guards and ball handling forwards to show out. This is yep. not something that bigs are going to thrive in. Uh, these guys, a lot of these guys were drafted or undrafted two weeks ago. Yeah. So th- it's not like there have been a ton of practices or anything. This is really kind of like schoolyard ball. Uh, the first couple games, and then they get in a few practices and they can. But uh, this but was tell, a great tell Sean first Fine outing. this. That, well, that was a great first outing because somehow Sean Fine got a team to buy in on yeah. defense, mm-hmm. which yeah. is wild. Right. Uh, I thought the Clipper, the Clippers as a whole last night played really, really good basketball under it, the circumstances. For, it looked like we got a C version of what the actual Clippers is, and it was extremely right? fun to watch. Yeah. Like it wasn't just a bunch of people. Like last year's summer league looked like it was just a bunch of people trying to like you know mm-hmm. fit in, try to make it work, and then this year. It's like, no, this looks like the actual Clippers team. It's just different players playing the positions. And that's basically what our team looked like last year, too, because, like, you know, everyone was hurt. And then they're like, we beat the Brooklyn Nets with a bunch of 10 day contracts (laughs) and Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe. Yeah. So (laughs) it's, it's, it it gave me a good feeling watching the game last night. And my, my thoughts on the summer league before, like, people think these are like overreactions and stuff like that. I personally just want to like my it's very black and white to me. You're either doing something very positive on the court and then it's like something we could build on moving forward or you're doing something negative and it's just like, all right, well, you're kind of in that direction, but maybe in a couple of games you'll be doing something that's positive and you have an entire training camp and all this to figure it out as well. And probably G leagues uh, spot minutes and stuff like that. So I don't overreact to the summer league. I just personally like to see positive things. And I personally feel like I've seen positive things from everybody. 
even even Jay Scrub at moments. <laughs> like even like I expected more from Jason. And I think that's where it, it kind of go uh kind of goes down. Like for example, last year Lemire Coffee had a tough summer league and we were all under the like, hey, is this person is like are we gonna let him have the two-way contract? Like what's going on? And then since he had the bad summer league, we we're all, all all under the impression that it's like he might not make it past training camp. And turns out the Clippers had a lot more faith, a lot more faith than we did. <laughs> and, and it turned out that now he's a rotation player and he's one of our best rotation players at that. And wow. so like this, that the, it goes to show that just because you have a bad summer league doesn't mean that you're a bad NBA player. Mm-hmm. True that. Uh, but it also means if you have a great summer league, doesn't mean you're going to go and be an all-star. Uh, no, no, no. That's, I can't get on. Yeah. <laughs> Next time Jay Scrub has a like 40 point game, he's an all-star, bro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh so we'll start with the Moose, who everybody became a fan favorite last night because he looked a lot more crisp than I thought he was going to be. Like he's still raw, but I've seen raw play before and it looked a lot better than just flat out raw it's not just raw talent and you're trying to morph that into an nba player he looks like he he's either learned a lot in the last two weeks or he's he's kind of he kind of has like the nba ready mentality and uh he knows what he's doing on the court and it's just now we just gotta make sure like the percentages and the thought process is a little bit better uh but he got a ton of offensive rebounds. He, I had his stat line in front of me a second ago. Uh, he had 10 points, seven rebounds, missed a ton of free throws. <laughs> but we'll yes, work on that. That's, we'll work on that's that. annoying. <laughs> uh, he only had one personal foul, though. And yeah. I, I thought that was pretty impressive, especially like in moments where, uh, uh, is it Kenneth or Kenny Lofton Jr.? Kenneth Lofton Jr. is <laughs> yeah. his dad is a as a postal worker, which like I don't know, not the like, not the former major league center. Yeah, right. I was like, I honestly thought that's who it was, and then like it's like that's a very unique name, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So he played well though. Like the eye test was mm-hmm. extremely like he was put on an island against some guards and held his own. He he had a he had a decent post move at one point, and yeah, and it, like if you just got a little little like stronger a little bit, I I think he could be a very serv- serviceable big in this league. I yeah. I uh, like I was talking to Jesse last night, and he was like, "Well, do you think he's like ready for this season?" I was like, "He's probably not ready this season coming up, but a year in the G League, like we might be thinking he's the backup center next season." Like maybe I don't know how long this project's gonna be, but you never know. You never know. He he has a great reputation as a super hard worker, and you can see it on the court. I love the effort. That's the number one thing, man. He's got tons of effort. He plays with fire. He rises to the challenge. He doesn't hit free throws. That drives me nuts. But outside of that, the activity level alone was great. So hey, man, you just keep playing that hard and. He's got natural talent and great size, so good things will happen. Right. Yeah, uh, no, he he was a perfect kind of encapsulation of what the Clippers Summer League 
team is where it's it there's guys who are there with potential and he showed his flashes he obviously still needs work but there's a reason he's there and there's he's working towards it and I mean he looks like he went off to a great start against real NBA talent I mean the Grizzlies are a great drafting team and he was playing against Xavier Tillman to start I think yeah. who is a very big strong guy yeah, he's been playing the league for like three years now, or this will be mm-hmm. his third year. And then yeah. you have, uh, uh, was it Zaire Williams? Or, uh, I yeah. Mean, he was starting games for the Memphis Grizzlies last year who became the second seed in the West. Like, he's not some scrub. He's not some yeah. development project. He is legit a rotation player on the second best team in the West last year. Yeah, uh, he, went, uh, he was teammates with uh, Brandon Boston at yeah. uh, Sierra Canyon. Absolutely. And um, and then they had the two first round draft picks, I believe, playing with them as well. So their, their team. What and, it, and I remember when the game first started, Isaiah Thomas was like, you know, this this Memphis Grizzlies team is pretty good. And then I believe they played in Utah, I believe, yeah, already. Yeah. So they like three they, games, they had the three games to play together. And then the Clippers just showed up and with their Clipper culture and just mm-hmm. was like, all right, we're going we're gonna to show you how the, what's the right way to play right now. And and what were you guys' thoughts on Jason Preston? Because we haven't seen we haven't seen him play in a year. I I mean, so like a lot of guys, he he has some stuff to work on. I think mostly his body. He took a red shirt year last year, but it was because of his hurt foot. Mm -hmm. And I really think that maybe impeded his ability to work on his uh, lower body and the strength. But, oh, my goodness, he was running the offense really well. He was uh, he needed screens to get off guys basically every time. But when he did that, he would find open shooters. I mean, the vision is there. You can see why the team really, really likes him because he's seen all the right things on the court that you want your point guard to see. He just he just needs to be able to maybe get some burst and some blow by speed or something to, to really get to the rim and make defenses work more worried about him than his passing. Yeah. That, that kind of thing will come with uh, more reps mm-hmm. running off those screens and keep in mind, this is his first like live game action in, in a year since last mm-hmm. year's summer league. Uh, I, a lot of turnovers. Yeah. He was forcing some things. Yeah, but all in all, you know, a real positive game from a control standpoint. He looked controlled. He looked poised. Those are tremendous assets for a guy who is really just this is going to be his figured out season. As he plays, those things will get better and better. The turnovers will go down. He'll run those screens a little tighter and get a little more separation. And, you know, good things will happen because of it. But you can tell the IQ is there. And. Mm -hmm. That's something that you can't teach. I mean, you either have super basketball smarts like this kid or you don't. And uh, most people are in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and his uh, turnovers mostly came when we were up like 25 in the second half. Uh, In the first half, I mean, he was um, he turned it over maybe just one time or something. Yeah. Yeah. He was making some tough passes in the first half that were like very impressive. And he got himself out of a lot of jams and he found a lot of people open, which, you know, that's what we would want in a point guard. Uh, his help defense is what impressed me the most. 
like he was actually able to uh time when to help and not necessarily let his guy get open now there was moments where he was blown by a few times and there was a moments where like you know someone would play tougher defense on him and he would kind of you know like struggle to get out of that situation but i would i feel like it's night and day from what he did from what he was playing like last summer league and he like like you said he was able to control the offense it felt like and he like he's, he's able to find the open person and he made some passes that i was like oh i didn't i didn't think that was gonna end up there now yeah like you said the I feel like the team in general lost a little steam in the second half when they had the big lead. And you started saying like, Oh, I can, I made that pass in the first half. I can make it again in the second half. Mm-hmm. And it was just the defense caught up at that point. And right. so, uh, but yeah, I was impressed. Uh, Brandon Boston jr. How'd you guys feel? He was, he was sharp uh, three of five from deep. And then only like one of three or, from from inside the arc, um, but he made a couple of tough shots, made a, a ridiculous bank shot that was yeah. A, yeah. under a ton of pressure. So mm-hmm. kudos to that. He is. I'm waiting to see who he is. You know, is he a microwave kind of guy, or is he like the rotational potential three and D player? Because what I saw was really good court awareness on the defensive end, which was surprising. He had a couple of nice steals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he blocked the shot. Yeah, it's like it's starting to come together. You you can see that that maturity is totally different this year from last summer league. Yeah. So it it seemed like he was letting the game come to him a little bit more this this time around. Like last year, it seemed like he's like, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to look for my pocket and then I'm just going to shoot. Like I'm just I'm yeah, I found it, let it let it rip. <laughs> this time around. He seemed like all right. He start like he got to the free throw line, missed both free throws, but in the first seven seconds of the game, right? Uh, and then he, it's it seemed like did he miss both free throws? Am I do I, am I at the the first one he went to? I think so. Okay. Uh, so he, it seemed like oh, it's gonna be Brandon Boss. He's just gonna he's just gonna like you know drive it and shoot every time on offense, and then it turned out. That it seemed like he was allowing the offense to kind of like, for lack of better words, like, like he was allowing the Clippers to to pull the strings a little bit and letting the Memphis defense not dictate what he's going to do, and right. and and it was really it was actually that was my most impressive thing I saw from Brandon Boston this year. Yeah, allow allowing the offense to generate the look instead of him and his handles. Yeah, absolutely. He- to, to me, he looked like a guy who was pretty NBA ready, like or like the most NBA ready on the court. Like he's working on skills that he's going to try and take to the real squad, not like the G League or whatever. He's going to try and utilize his 3 and D kind of role more because obviously with the depth of the roster that the Clippers have, I mean, he's not going to have the ball in his hand to just like dribble the air out of the ball. He's yeah. going to need to do other things to get playing time. And that's play defense and find the open guy and then shoot when you're uh, able. So to me, it looked just really great. Obviously he's still a little bit small too, but uh, if he just keeps working, I think he's going to be the most consistent minute, Get her on the real squad that we saw out there. 
Yeah, he he he's the person that if he is playing in the G League and we need someone to come up and play spot minutes, he's gonna come up like mm-hmm. and and yeah. he's he's gonna be more prepared than Preston and Musa would be. Uh also to keep in mind, I think he's in an interesting spot because he is most likely gonna be playing the majority of his time on the G League next year. I believe if there's a home G League game and a home Clippers game back to back, he will be on the bench for the home Clipper game as well. Mm-hmm. But if there is a consolidation trade or any type of trade, he is going to move up in the rotation and be getting legit rotation minutes. If like, if we were to trade two to three guys, he's going to be the, the, the ninth or 10th person in that rotation at that point. Assuming so, he's not a part of that trade because he has a valuable <laughs> skill set. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. So I do, I do think he's in an interesting spot where I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Sean was talking to him and said basically like you're you're right on that you're right on the border right there like you and if you if you ball I'm not, if you ball out in training camp or summer league we'll give you consideration for getting real minutes next year um, yeah but we'll see there's just a lot there's a lot of players above him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I'm these two players I want to put in the same conversation because I believe there's going to be one two way spot, unless Musa just has the training camp of his life and they just say, you know what, you're going to be the 15th guy on the roster and you're the backup center. <laughs> Musa's probably going to have one two way two way contract, yeah. So the other two way contract is probably going to be between Xavier Moon, who had it at the end of last year, mm-hmm. and Jay Scrub, who's, who's had it for the last two years. Jay Scrub has been injury prone. I don't. I, I'm not. I don't know if I should dig deep into the report that he wanted a real contract, and that's why he didn't want to accept a two way deal. I don't know because it seems like him being a summer league, him getting a training camp invite, gives me the impression that he knows where he's at on the Clippers' uh, wavelength of where he should be on the roster. I believe he's going to be playing for a two way spot in training camp. But Xavier Moon looked pretty damn impressive in the first summer league game. I know, like, we could look at that as an overreaction, but he looked faster than everybody. He got to his spots better than everybody. And the only downside to Xavier Moon is that he is smaller than most NBA players. But Reggie likes him. The team likes him. Now, I'm pretty damn sure... If for whatever reason we decided to give it to Jay Scrub, I think the only thing Jay Scrub has going for him right now is that the Clippers drafted him and they might want to see it through. Be like, all right, you know, we we were able to make a mere coffee a rotation player. Maybe down the line we can make you a rotation player. We want to see it through. We like the skill set. Uh, but and, and on top of that, I think Xavier Moon could also get the training camp invite, then be placed on the G League roster and be okay with it, and then come up and 10-day increments whenever we need him. But right now, I'd give it to Xavier Moon. I know it's just one summer league game, but based on what Xavier Moon was at the end of last season and so far in one summer league game, I feel like it should be his two-way contract to lose. But Trent, you brought a good point up yesterday to me, and it should probably go to a wing. It should probably go to a wing, to be honest. (laughs) Especially a big one. Yeah, uh, call it the just in caser because when you look at these positions, 
I mean, Xavier Moon is is probably our third best point guard, but we already have three point guards with full roster spots. Right. Jay Scrub is going to be playing behind Paul George, Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, and Luke Kennard. There's nothing there, man. Yeah. We are so deep in in the backcourt, one and two, that it should probably the, – the, the second – two-way should probably go to a wing and that's why i was like why are we seeing more maybe justin b yeah he's about to turn 26 he's an older player to be in the g league but moon is 27 <laughs> yeah uh i'm curious to see what bean has at, at this level because in college he was dynamic super fun to watch uh he kind of like he plays almost like he's on fire all the time mm-hmm like the the urgency to do everything exists in Justin Bean. So I'd like to see him get some minutes, but apparently he's not picking it up as, as fast as Sean Fine would like because he didn't get to the floor until what was it, four minutes to go in the game. Which which brings me to my next point is like you brought these guys in to see what they could bring to the table, but players like Brantley, uh uh Wallace. Now Wallace was on the Ontario Clippers last year, so I can see why there's some trust there. But like Perry, uh Reynolds, all these players got minutes over these guys they just uh signed a exhibit 10 contract. So I don't know. So I don't I don't know. <laughs> they I'm, may have got they may have gotten those minutes because they looked really good in practices. By the way, Brantley and Perry looked great in the game. So right. maybe that's the the lean, you know, toward those guys. I really like Keen Wallace. He was on Terry. The mm-hmm. only thing is he kind of plays like a wing. He's he's an off guard. And but he's only like six three or something like that. So I like him a lot. And he played really well on Ontario last year. It's just like you said, if the second spot should go to a wing, I don't know if it's gonna be him. I personally wouldn't mind a Brantley uh, played his way into that two-way contract by getting a training camp invite, playing well in the summer league, and then we were like, you know what, you've earned it, and then, yeah. And yeah, I don't I, want to get it confused. I do want to say real quick, I love Xavier Moon, and I really do like Jay Scrub and his story, but mm-hmm. they're duplicitous. Yep. That's all. Yeah. I think sorry, we'll, sorry, Spence. No, it's okay. Uh, I think we have uh, we'll have a better idea on after the back-to-back to see who's actually doing stuff because we'll have seen everybody. I don't think like Brandon Boston or Jason Preston will play both um, games uh, on there. So we'll have more time to see some of the deeper bench guys. But um, the thing I have to say about Jay Scrub is you can really see what the – what the NBA fit is. I mean, he looks like an NBA player. He's big and he's strong and he, he just fits the mold so perfectly. Um, and for a shooting guard, he's got the, uh, the size. He just doesn't have the polish. He needs to get a little bit better at everything. So that's why it was so weird to me when we heard these rumors about him not wanting a two-way contract, because that's what he would be perfect for. He just, He's he's got the the tools. He just needs to learn how to use them. Uh, and then Xavier Moon is just a professional basketball player. 
He comes in, he does his job. You can trust him. Um, he's played overseas, I believe. Um, and then he just, he knows what he's doing out there. And I, I would be very happy with him, but the, the Clippers are so deep. There's not really room for anybody on these, uh, or anybody who's going to get any playing time. So really it's just keeping them in our organization for when we really des- are desperate. So I don't think you really need to overthink this too much. Just who's ever the best player I think you can take, but right. Yeah. I, I, to scrub, I think there's a lot of work to be done, but he only played a single season of junior college ball. So, uh, and he's got the athleticism and the tools. So I, I, I really don't know. We're looking at it from an overall perspective of like Jay scrubs career so far. Mm-hmm. So far, for lack of better words, I don't want to use this, but had a lot of injuries, possibly injury prone. And he hasn't necessarily translated his talents to the NBA level quite yet. Right. But I can see maybe from his perspective is like he balls. He does ball out in the G League constantly. Mm-hmm. So I could see where he feels like he should be graduating from playing in the G League again. I can I can maybe see where he thinks that way, um, but you're on a championship contending team. This this isn't the Kings. Like if it was the Kings, mm-hmm. maybe you can negotiate. If you're like, hey, I played I played my ass off in Stockton last year, and you're like, hey, you know, you have a couple spots available. I think I deserve one of them, you know. But it's you're 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 talking to a team that has one spot available, and it probably should be a center. So if you don't want if you don't want to be on a two way, because I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers would have just automatically gave him the two way spot two weeks ago. But yeah. because of the reports and all that, it's like, well, all right, if you want it to be an open competition, you're going to have to play better than Xavier Moon or whatever wing we're thinking about bringing in. So we'll see. Uh, that was a good point, though. Spencer, that there's a back to back, and we'll probably see more Justin Bean yeah. and Williamson and stuff like that. And end of all, yeah, we'll, we'll see how, what they do. Yeah. And I mean, just getting more sample size because it's, it's one game, you can't really judge anything. Absolutely. Uh, but it's the first game, so we're going to judge everything off of it. Of course. It. I mean, I'm going to, right. You know, like, you know, everybody could just do the opposite. Musa could look out of place for the next four games and we're like, oh, you, know, you know what? That's going to awesome. be a three-year project, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's move on to another thing that happened at the Summer League. Uh, John Wall was there. Uh, I don't have his quotes in front of me, but I'll paraphrase. Basically says, uh, the Clippers were a first-class organization, and guys, feel free to throw something in there if I forget it. First class organization, he feels good that he doesn't have to necessarily be the 2016 John Wall, but he still feels like he can be. Uh, he doesn't need to be Batman, doesn't even need to be Robin. He could technically be the third guy. He says that the third best defender on the other team is guarding him. Good luck. And he uh, said a lot of positive things about the Clippers. Uh, apparently, Eric Bledsoe and DeMarcus Cousins also said that the Clippers are a good organization, and that kind of led him to think that this would be a good opportunity for him. He doesn't want to be the, the the main guy anymore. He doesn't want to put that, I guess, like 
energy into doing that. He he'd rather kind of be a role player at this point in his career. Uh, he's so th- there is a little bit of a like trying to see through some of the things he's saying because it seems like he does look at himself though as like the third guy and he might not be that uh <laughs> but i do think i do like hearing him say stuff like basically you know he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands he's working on his catch and shoot threes he's working on his floaters he's working on things like he knows like what's going to make him the best fit for the Clippers is to work on these things and to be a certain player. So he's at least at this point saying all the right things. What are your thoughts on it, Spencer? Oh, um, I mean, I love to hear it because when he took the, the MLE, the 6 million or so that it was, I was a little bit worried that, you know, he's coming in thinking he's going to be the, the full $45 million player because (laughs) he got everything he gave back to Houston from us. So you had, uh, you had to worry about the cultural fit there a little bit, but when he's coming in and saying, you know, he's talked to Reggie Jackson, everything's good there. He wants the competition. He knows he's not going to be Batman. He knows he's going to be further down on the scouting report. And he's embracing that role. I mean, that's that's exactly what we need from him. And if he's going to do anything on this team, that's what he's got to do. And yeah, the Tomer interview was great. He really just made it seem like all the guys were welcoming to him, that he was talking to them already. He's part of the, the culture and the chemistry we've built. And then uh, the halftime interview where he said he was working on um, – his three is uh, three pointers was also it, it, it was good to hear. I don't know if he'll actually be able to do it at this stage of his career, but um, something that people haven't been saying about him, but I've been thinking is that do you remember when Boogie came to the Clippers and there was all this respect on his name and they were like doubling him? And I think John Wall might get a little bit of that at the beginning of the season where it's like, this is John freaking Wall. Uh, We got to go guard him. And I think if he can take advantage of that, like honeymoon period, and uh, especially if he can hit some catch and shoot threes, um, boy, I think it'll be great. Right. He apparently, I don't know. Was it Justin Russo who said the stat that he's 38% on catch-and-shoot threes? Uh, I don't know if that's his whole career, but it might have been like at least the last few years, right? Uh, Like the last three seasons he's played. Which, which, you know, on the Clippers, that's serviceable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And you you brought up – you alluded to something, and I totally forgot it, though. But, like, he even mentioned that he's like – he's going to compete for the spot with Reggie Jackson. But whoever wins, he's he wants he just wants the best person to win. And if he doesn't win, he's okay with that. And I think that's something that we all needed to kind of hear as well. Like it's like, all mm-hmm. right, are you gonna be okay if Reggie Jackson is the starter next season? Uh, I personally think he'll work better in the second unit, but I don't coach the team. Mm-hmm. Uh Trent, what's your thoughts? I, I think Wall did a really, really nice job of threading the needle between sounding humble mm-hmm. and understanding of this opportunity while still having that edge of, you know, I'm a really great player. And 
that's part of what makes him who he is. Uh, I've said it repeatedly on this on this pod, this very pod, that we're gonna we're about to ask John Wall to do something he's never done in his career, and that is not be the alpha. And his version was, "I don't have to be Batman." Mm-hmm. Great. I actually heard him say, "I'm not going to be the alpha," which means he is at least aware of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if he can be a complimentary player, he can be a great. So, I mean, we'll see how it shakes out. I think he's going to be probably a bit rusty having not played at NBA level for 22 months by the time he hits the court again. But uh, he might not take long to, to knock all that rust off and look great. Uh, coming into camp, I would say Reggie's probably a better fit with the starters because we've seen it. Mm-hmm. And it looked really good when we saw it. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Wall's overall athleticism, should he – be at close to, you know, like 75, 80% of the guy he used to be when he was all NBA. Uh, the athleticism alone could push him over the top and get him that starting kick. The, the, the thing that's going for him, I think the most too, is that he's a downhill player. And as long as like, you know, he could get to the basket, even if his shot's not there at the beginning of the season, he could get to the basket, make some free throws, and maybe that helps him get his touch back a little bit. Uh, yeah, like it seems it seems like too, like just based on the vibes I got from the interviews, is he knows being the alpha or being the Batman in Washington is probably why he got hurt. And I think he's now realizes like I w- I just want to go somewhere where I could just be a piece of the puzzle and not necessarily be counted on. And I'm pretty sure there's gonna be games where Kawhi and Paul George sit and John Wall's still going to play in that game. And we're going to be like, Hey, we're going to like, it, as fans, we're going to be like, it, it would be nice. I don't think Ty Lue would say this, but as fans, we're going to be like, Hey, if you want to throw that alpha Batman 25 to 30 point game out there, <laughs> go for it. You know? And if not, we have a mere coffee. It'll, yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah. Which might be the biggest steal in NBA history possibly uh, getting a mere coffee that I, I feel like the FBI should be investigating the Clippers <laughs> on how they were able to pull off getting a mere coffee for that price. Yeah. It's silly. Three, three, two, I think it is, or three, three, four. Yeah. 11 million over three years. is Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, I thought for certain somebody was going to offer him somewhere in the, you know, anywhere from seven to 10 for a single season. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 it didn't I, happen. I honestly thought, he was going to be one of those players uh, that those lower tier small market teams just to fill up that salary cap gap. Oh, yeah. They need to fill up that they were just like, here's 10 to 11 and, and play for two years for us. And because we, I've, I've gone on this pod and said for years, not for years, we've only been doing this for a year uh, for months is that Amir coffee could go to one of these teams that have a lot of young draft picks and be the veteran wing in their starting lineup to help. Like, hey, I came from a basically uh, – I, I, it's not a championship culture, but it's one of the best cultures in the NBA. Uh, we're designed to be a championship culture. I'll put it that way. And he could he could bring some good veteran presence and still be and, – and if he, if he was, like, the main guy on the team, he would average 20 points a game. So I'm surprised no one – like, I the, the Clippers culture must be really good. 
Yeah. Clippers culture just it must be really good. <laughs> I mean, maybe we can thank uh, Kevin Durant for freezing everybody's yeah. <laughs> uh, free agency period. Because, I mean, I've learned uh, so much about restricted free agency. And it's like, how, oh, you have to wait for the entire week before you want to sign, uh, offer one of these guys because that ties up your salary cap for the, mm-hmm. um, until the official signing period. So um, maybe that's how we were able to do it because we benefited from the league just all being in, you know, a holding pattern until we figure out what's up with uh, DeAndre Ayton. But uh, it was everyone else's loss because, I mean, Coffee is just the perfect guy to to do an impression of uh, Kawhi and Paul George of just being a big wing who can dribble and score. Uh, I hear you. I got it. Before we head out, do you guys have any more thoughts? I have one more question for you guys, though. But let's get your final thoughts on John Wall, Summer League, or whatever. Ooh, I'd also nice. like to point out it was reported that alongside John Wall at Summer League last night was Boogie. So DeMarcus oh. Cousins was there. They were palling around together. Of course, they're college teammates. So, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if Boogie was our third center. We just don't have enough roster spots. Mm-hmm. Like if Boogie was our two-way guy, which it can't happen. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but if he was, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, I think Boogie would be worth it just for his uh, background faces on challenges. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, final question, tough one. Who is who do you guys prefer as a as a as a Clippers announcer, Brian Seaman or Ralph Lawler? Wow, yeah, difficult, difficult question. I mean, I grew up like I mean, I feel like just everyone grew up with Ralph Lawler, and he's such a special place in the hearts of Clippers fans. I mean, he's half the reason I was a Clippers fan because you have to be watching some games that are are pretty rough and he he's able to, you know, get you through a lot. Um, and just, just a great professional, but um, it's hard to deny how, how good Brian Seaman's been able to come in and fill those shoes. I mean, he, and it's, he's just so fun. He's, he feels like he's part of um a tight knit community almost like Ralph mm-hmm. Lawler felt like my grandpa who's like kind of giving me advice, but I'm not peers with him. <laughs> Brian yeah. Seaman is kind of uh, is just so perfectly in tune with uh, the Clippers fandom and the culture. Uh, it's a, it's a really, really hard question, but um, I think my recency bias might make me just choose uh, Brian. <laughs> I'm kind of in the same way. Like I grew up on Ralph. I even have a, a Clippers jersey that says Ralph Lawler on the back mm-hmm. of it. I got it like custom made. So it was his final season. It was when they had like the Olympic LA jerseys. Mm-hmm. So I got Ralph Lawler. And apparently on the authentic or the ones they were at the games, Ralph Lawler signature was on the bottom of them. Mm-hmm. And uh so I was like, uh, and when Ralph when Ralph went away, I was like, oh man, I, I don't know if it's gonna be the same. And mm-hmm. it and low key. Like you said, like he Ralph was like our grandpa, but Brian Seaman's like our peer. And like I I I with the confidence of a daylight burglar. Uh <laughs> like, I don't know if I butchered that right now, but it's the coffee puns, like it feels like he puts a lot of work into being and some of the side banter he has with the guests, uh commentators that he has. 
he he he's extremely good at the job. Yes. I mean, I, who knew that all his um, radio candy talk was preparing him for his big TV moment? Absolutely. He's crushing it. He's basically taking the baton from the Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. the yeah. voice of the Clippers. When I moved out to L.A. and discovered how much I enjoyed watching Clippers games called by Ralph and, and Bill Walton, you know, it's like they made games fun that shouldn't have been fun because the team was – bad yeah yeah real bad and ralph was just he was a steady force that was always there and he was always uh, you know that's the way broadcasting used to be guys Mm -hmm. would hook on with a team and they'd be there for decades if they were good and ralph lawler was that guy for a bad franchise which is crazy um but we're we are spoiled it is an embarrassment of riches that we've gone from one of the all-time greats who launched Lawler's Law, oh me, oh my, the law, the jam. I could t- I could talk to Ralph Lawler for ages about basketball mm-hmm. history and what got us to, to now. But now's a different time, and it's Brian Seaman's time, and he is just dominating. And it says a lot about him that he's so entertaining and so good, regardless of who they put him with whether in Jackson or Fortello or uh, everybody, they, everybody they paired him with yeah. has, has been fantastic. So, yeah, he it's it's Brian. It's great. But all timer for me, it's, Ralph. it's the old band. Oh, I knew Trent has to go with the classic. Yeah. Uh, Ralph, I'm an old band. The Ralph Lawler book is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued when it comes out. I'm going to read that. Maybe for we'll sure. go. Maybe we'll I'll re- try to read a chapter a week. <laughs> and then we'll go over that chapter on the pod. <laughs> some some of that uh, the old stuff that he must ta- know about might hurt a little bit too much for me to to want to dive into. Because um, yeah. there's there's gonna be some some stories, but uh, wow, I I'm mean, sure, I'm sure the Donald Sterling stuff is gonna be yeah very intriguing. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope I'm, so. Sure, I'm sure we'll hear no end of it on ESPN or whatever. So yeah. Uh, they run with all the bad Clippers stuff forever. I, the modern NBA needs to understand that this franchise was crippled for 34 years with the worst owner in professional sports. Yeah, it was just a disaster. We're, we're basically a brand, we're a brand new franchise basically at this point. We're nope. we're like we were the Sonics and now we're the Thunder kind of thing. Like it's it, just because we kept the team name doesn't mean we're the same franchise. You know what I mean? This is is this year eight or nine with Ballmer. Uh, he came in in what 2015? 15? Or, or so this will be eight? Yeah, I I think it was 14 15 season. I think was his yeah. first. Yeah, so okay, so yeah, yeah I, so yeah. this is eight. I would think so. I, I could be wrong about that. Uh, I mean, did you hear the sun say they don't care about the draft? I mean, just I'm so thankful we have Bomber. Uh, now he's just like, what a great owner. Now I'm talking about will he spend you know, 15 million more dollars <laughs> on a backup center after he's got the most expensive team in history of the game. So, Second. I mean, uh, well, once Golden State finishes, I think they'll, yeah. they'll pass us. But for now, we're in that number one spot, baby. Don- Donald Sterling would have blown up the roster uh, <sighs> a year oh, yeah. after Kawhi Paul George came out. I never, they, they never would have had two max guys on the court at the same time. 
they wouldn't have yeah. two max guys. They probably wouldn't uh, pay all these players that get them over the tax. No. By the time they became free agents, we would just have to let them walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, be very grateful for Steve Ballmer and basically the, being able to keep the, the roster we have. <laughs> uh, on that note, that was the LA Clips Forum. You can find our podcast wherever you find your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at LA Clips Forum. And I appreciate everybody who could be doing anything with their time, but they're spending it with us. We appreciate that. And I also appreciate the people that listen to the jingle at the beginning, but still stay for the pod. Uh, Trent, you got a podcast? Uh, yeah, Trent Takes On is still active. I had to take a whole week off. Uh, last weekend, I recorded a, a show where I was talking about the importance of God and government or lack thereof. And I'm 20 minutes into this really deep stuff. And uh, there was an accident around the house. And my littlest, my five-year-old got hurt. And so the, the whole pod just got lost. Like the th- I lost the thread mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can't fix it. So if you're interested in heavier stuff, Trent takes on as a pod for you. Uh, I will be back next week uh, with new stuff. And when whenever Jesse's available, we'll finally get that Batman pod in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're going to do a fun Batman pod. Uh, but yeah, we I appreciate you talking about the heavier stuff in life while we get to talk about basketball here. Uh, Spencer, what do you got going on? Oh, nothing. I you can just find me on Twitter, being a bozo. I uh, I don't do anything. So just look up uh, at Clipper Spencer on Twitter. That's the one I'm really actually active on. And then uh, if you just want some dumb memes and some occasional deep dives into basketball podcast where i find something no one's listened to yet uh that's that's all i got going on but thank you for inviting me on the pod i'm sorry i was so long-winded you said this Uh, was gonna be short to start Uh, i don't think we were able to accomplish that so what happens is when i do this pod with jesse i'll put three things up there and we'll just run through them we're just like all right we just boom 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 but whenever we have extra guests it does take a little longer so i thought it was going to be a shorter pod and I, and I I was thinking, because, you know, Jake gives me a hard time that sometimes you just have 30-minute pods. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, this might be a shorter pod. But, nope, I don't mind. You are very good, Spencer. And for yeah. people that don't know, you're a Clipper celebrity. Yeah. Five-star general of the Batoon Battalion. Uh, like it's, Got my Batoon Battalion shirt on. There you go. And Are you got, making any upgrades to the uniform for next season? I... I I've made uh, upgrades last off season and now it's more about making repairs. I got to get it to a, <laughs> a level. I'm so bad at this. This is the problem with me becoming the five-star general. It's not something I've been good at or deserve. So I am <laughs> flying by this, you know, seat of my pants on this. So I, I need to, to really start, uh, you know, improving stuff. So it doesn't look as, as janky as when I'm looking at it. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Batum appreciates that. I got to ask you, though, is there is there room in the Batum Battalion to fit Musa in or is Musa going to have his own little battalion of his own? Of course, there's a, there's a, first of all, there's room in the battalion for anybody who lo- has love for the Clippers in their heart. Uh, but he's he's a Frenchman. He grew up in Paris. Uh, so, of course, he's he's higher than me in the Batum Battalion. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. Not yet. If you're speaking French to Nico on the court, I'm pretty sure you're high <laughs> uh, you, you. You got me there. All right. Well, we appreciate. I, pre- I appreciate you two getting on. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, 
I believe we're out. And Trent, thank you for the outro. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for joining Brian Andrew and Jesse Sandoval for this episode of LA Clips Forum. For all the over and backs, loose balls, clear paths, and tip-ins, catch LA Clips Forum every week. The podcast for fans, by fans. Clipper Nation, we'll catch you on the rebound. Oh, 